Hey, everybody. Before we get to the episode, we want to make a quick announcement about the end of the episode. We recorded this episode in a closet and it's really hot and <laughs> our computer overheated around the end of the episode. So for the last 10 or 15 minutes, first five of it aren't so bad. So that's why I said 10 or 15. It's the fifth. It's 15 minutes. Uh, there's some garbly audio. We thought about re-recording it, but we had such a good time recording it that we just left it. So we hope that it doesn't annoy you too much. You can pretty much make out what we're saying, but yeah. I said a bad word. No, I'm just kidding. It sounds, it sounds like, like she I said did. a bad word. We caught her finally. <laughs> so that's it. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed this chapter. We're going to have another episode come out before Sunday night, and uh, you'll hear all of our vibes on that as soon as the episode begins. Anything else, Hannah? It's hot D week, baby. This episode's brought to you by George R. R. Martin's story, Fire and Blood, and House of the Dragon. Goodbye. <laughs> Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Welcome House of the Dragon Week. back to the podcast. It's House One of the Dragon week. week. Sing it. I Sing guess. it. <laughs> nope. uh. We're officially one week away from the start of the new TV series. And a new TV series. The hottest D in the <laughs> land. And I gotta say, I know we're not competing against the Rings of Power, but I'm really liking what we're seeing. I'm ready. You ready for... We're gonna do a book report slash book club meeting of the minds in the front room, like solar of our individual living of our house on our suburban streets with uh, the blinds open, the windows open, and we're letting in some cool summer breeze because it's nighttime, all your friends are over, there's snacks in front of us, and it's time to dig into the longest chapter of Fire and Blood. <laughs> Literally, uh, this is a... Did you check? This is a third of Fire and Blood. This chapter is so long, and it is jam-packed with... Just so many vignettes of hilarious stories, honestly. I mean, okay, there's a lot of tragedy. Sorry. By the way, this chapter is up. called Policy, <laughs> Jaharis Nali's son, Policy, Progeny, and Pain. Okay. <laughs> filled with some mo- more hilarious moments. You know I'm right, of though. Fire and Blood. There yeah. are some amazing quips in this chapter, some wild stories, some major heartbreak. And this is the last chapter, really, until we get to kind of where we're going to be for House of the Dragon. Yeah, Rainey's and Viserys born, Damon born. Rainey's and Corliss get married yep. in this chapter. And yep. so it's like we're kind of beginning to set the stage. So we're going to talk in the next episode Coming way out more later this week. about House of the Dragon because I know there's footage, tons of stuff. There's a lot of stuff for us to talk about. But we thought for this episode, let's just finish out Jaharis and Ali's Yeah, we, we have to focus on Ja and Ali before we see their offspring's offspring run amok on our television screens. Exactly. So, um, Did you like it? I loved it. I lo- uh, loved it. This is a really good chapter. Um, there's a lot to take in. I've read the chapter like many, many times, I feel like at this point. But I feel like there were a couple very distinct moments in this chapter that felt very raw and real. You know, when like a, a situation takes you back, like not takes like you back, it. but yeah, it takes you... A back, I guess, is kind of the word. When you're like, whoa, that was nuts that that just happened. I feel like that happens a couple times in the chapter, which makes it really exciting. Even, I mean, starting off at the beginning. Um, Especially at the beginning, The beginning, sure. there's so, yes, I love this chapter. I thought it was really fun. I'm yeah. excited to talk to you about it. So big. So many things. Like, I felt like the Lady Meredith, Sun Chaser, Autumn Moon situation that we all wanted to hear so much about Alice Westhill, Alyssa Farman, 
we wanted to know about what happened. And if you're reading Fire and Blood for the first time, I don't think that you expect that there's going to be an immediate payoff to that question of them sailing with the high towers west. Like maybe they would touch back on it later, or maybe it would be like a, something and in, in, in mentioned in passing. But it was the focus of the opening of the chapter, and we get pretty much all the details of it, apart from the actual deeper mystery of what actually happened. But then later, the there's a little anecdote of Corliss saying that he's pretty sure he might have seen a broken down, aged version of the Sun Chaser when he was visiting um, a shy. So. Again, like even more expected payoff. Mm-hmm. I'm not not that it's a guarantee that he mentioned that, but it was men- mentioned, and he he mentioned it specifically, and it was written in here. So maybe it's like it's almost a little favor. Usually, we get a lot more mystery than that, but it, so it was almost a little favor. But for me, that was such a big deal, and I've read it, this chapter a couple times too, especially around our uh, weird summer schedule that we've had, and. Um, that has always stuck out so much to me. I love hearing, I love reading about the the dark ship that they saw that was the Ibanese whaler um, yeah. as they sailed even further west. A lot of the stuff stuck out to me, made an impact that I remembered reading over again. But then it transitions into so many different setups like that, where I felt like from the the birth of their first children, felt like it's it was its own section. So I'm curious as to obviously policy progeny and pain like sums up a big chunk of it, but I wish we had another opportunity to or a longer time when we talked to George to ask him why he decided to make this compared to some of the other chapters so long when there's the like it was probably hard to fit in the Alyssa Farman stuff at the the head of this. Sure. The way that it cuz we we go back to Old Town and the High Towers are talking about what happened, we're hearing about their time on Sathorios. And it feel, like I said, it feels like a different situation that doesn't specifically tie back to Jaharis and Alison. Totally. And when I kind of had the same thought, kind of thinking through what's the through line that ties all of this together, really? What's like the main thing we're supposed to learn? Or, Pain? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I think, well, sure. Okay. Yeah. Progeny. But you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, yeah, I what, what are mean. some of those like through themes? Because to expand on that on? point, it's like we have multiple wars and all of their kids we get for many of their kids we get you know a couple lines about them mentions of who they are we go di- deeper into a few of them but even then that's just a couple paragraphs here and there and so um to me the through line of this chapter is Jaharis and Alison had way too many kids and if they had had less kids maybe they could have reined in this like secession thing a little bit better or differently but both Jaharis and Alison and then Balon and Alyssa like <laughs> Could you guys have like scaled it back a little? <laughs> then maybe we wouldn't have all of these um, issues that come to light. I think what you said made a lot of sense. I think just uh, for one, getting to see all the variability between their kids points out potential issues. Instead of everything being smooth, when it's smooth when it's just both of us on Dragonstone. So the more that you do past that, I guess there has to be a. Um, some kind of a price or some some kind of cost, something that is attractive enough to leave the happiest time of your life to go open up different possibilities for stuff to go wrong, variability. And when you have kids like they do, at least what they're trying to do with having kids is they're trying to create, a, it's like, uh, what did Alyssa say to Balon? She said, Must I, give him 20 sons or something. Yeah, I want to give army. you a small army. That was so sweet and also really sweet. sad. Very sad. 
And it's also, I mean, Jaharis was, I can't remember which kid it was, how many kids it had been. I think it was like their eighth or ninth or tenth kid mm-hmm. when Jaharis. Like, wait a second. Yeah. Uh, Alison's like, I want to be a grandma now. I literally have grandkids. Like comparing it to that last birthday, uh-huh. especially. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's not exactly the situation that you want to quote no. when you're making your point, but no. I guess Jocelyn did survive. So right, I guess. There's that. But they, it's that cost, that price, that that uh, potential gamble, that roll of the dice is worth it whenever you're potentially cementing yourself a small army and some real lineage. And I guess coming off the back of the way that the conquest shook out and the way that secession was before they took over and how long that it's been calm then, it does make a lot of sense that they would try to create as firm of a foundation that they could possibly create while they have have the chance to do it. Especially if they think that they can truly count on each other. And for one, they've been successfully counting on each other the whole time. But um, you see it directly illustrated with the personalities of all these kids, how even if the situation is as tight as you've created it, that at the very bottom of it all, you're still going to have variability between what kind of people they are. They're not going to all come out like Aemon and Balon, the first two born in this chapter, you know? But even there's variability between Jaehaerys and Alisson on kind of the expectation for some of these kids. Because I think about when um, near a little bit closer to the end of the chapter when Rhaenys is born and Alisson, it says, I'm going to read this really quick it says and the firstborn child of the prince of dragonstone many hailed her as the next in line for the iron throne after her father when queen alisan held her in her arms for the first time she was heard to call the little girl our queen to yeah be. it was her and so her grandkid yeah her grandkid. Yeah. yeah so um even just like and we get a couple of riffs between jaharis and alisan in this chapter kind of in their idea of not only kind of who should be secede them in line but all the other things that kind of happen between them in this chapter that kind of come with the chaos of parenting and ruling a kingdom and growing old and being stuck in your ways but um you see some of those it's just to continue to illustrate your point like their attention is so widespread at this point because the kingdom is flourishing and because they're winning wars and the people seem to be pretty happy and they've got roads now and dragons are everywhere. And so um, that opens up for the possibility of, well, now I have time to think about something else other than whether or not I'm going to survive to the next week. And so what kind of mischief can I get up to enter in half their kids who are that's the mischief, Just. which is so funny. It's not like outside influence. Not, right. every, all the battles were pretty easy. Exactly. Except for Didn't, Amen. Nobody all didn't pretty, lose anyone. Yeah. But their kids are bawling out in the streets, literally. Literally. And, yeah. you know, they're royalty. They don't have anything to think about. There's 13 of them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, let's go have some fun. We've got people who are doting on us. We've got, we don't have to go to war. We've got dragons. Unless we We've want got to. money. Yeah, unless we want to. And even then, we're going to have so much backup that it's going to be fine. And so... What happens when the stakes are lower? Yeah. This we, is what happens. We've, and we've basically been talking about that since they took over from Agor. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Septa Moon and uh, all, all the different businesses they've had to do with the Citadel, both uh, the Maesters and the Faith. It's kind of been a way easier situation than what previously has happened between Agor and It's just interpersonal it's drama. Been easier, yeah. Well, you look even look like um, Luckamore, Lucamore. The lusty, yeah. the Kingsguard guy mm-hmm. who has, you know, takes three extra wives when he's not even supposed to have one. Mm-hmm. 
they got nothing to do except for you parade know, around. You ever hear about those people where it's like they have a, se- a secret family, you know? Yeah. And it's like how most people can't do one. And he you're out here balancing two. Yeah. <laughs> 16 yeah, kids. Yeah, he had 16 kids. <laughs> and none of them knew Ooh, about each other. The lusty. Yeah. That really threw them I like how Allie was like, listen, they might not have known about each other and the kids might have known, but those women knew that they were married to someone that worked in the White Tower. Right. So. What's up with that? Are we going to geld those bitches too? (laughs) (laughs) That's basically the energy. They're like, but I was the only one. I was special. Yeah, they were real special. Super. I mean, they were special. They were. He could have had more wives than that. (laughs) But he only needed three. (laughs) Only needed three, for sure. Sure. And uh, so they're dealing with that, and <laughs> that's a way to sum it up. They're dealing with that, all the <laughs> stuff except the last five minutes. They're dealing with that, but what they get is whenever Jaharis, for example, goes to Old Town at the end of the chapter by himself, uh, this is during the uh, the first quarrel, um, it's not like it used to be. It's even better. So there's definitely a lot of variability, like we were saying, and good and bad from that variability a lot of it just annoying a lot of it some of it like with sarah for example the depths of disappointment all the way up to the 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 depths of being proud of someone right but um with all of that potential um cost from the comfort of where we were in dragonstone when we first began with them when they successfully sequestered themselves from the rest of the world um we get Jaharis going to old old town and his it's basically his kids running all these places that he used to have to make deals with Mm -hmm. you know it's like it's his and he's met with he's met with a song and feasting and there's a tournament and the same guy that's won the tournament before i think ryan redwine which i guess george really thinks this guy can fight really well and uh it makes a point of it being like he's the the dominant destructive force in the area at the time. And I'm curious to see where that point goes to, but um, it's just fun and smooth. It it's is. just fun and smooth for him. So there's the cost to that. Like, yeah, he is fighting with Alisson, but I think that the, the focus is like uh, when we were making, I was poking at you about what could the through line of this chapter be the progeny really. And I guess how you deal with them and the, the bad and the good that comes from it. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was sort of questioning about, the uh, farm and stuff at the beginning. But I think that, if anything, it could point a good um, indicator towards something like Hot D or even toward just the author's attitude about A Song of Ice and Fire in general, that while all of the historical and um, sort of like fun fantasy stuff that GRM seems to like to write about that fills a lot of pages, um, on top of all that, the sense of adventure and mystery that's so swirling around all of those things that it seems like he likes to write uh, and A Song of Ice and Fire is still like the centerpiece or is still like the most important part like starting out the book with the White Walkers and so it makes me really hopeful for Hot D totally. with all the different stuff we've been talking about the different possibilities of how they're going to integrate it specifically exploring more of the Targaryens and their dragon dreams and, and uh, Aegon's, Aegon's the first potential knowledge or uh, prophetic visions of something like the White Walkers or the the Doom itself in some sort of way that maybe isn't like Doom specific and how those things might be connected or how they might not be connected. There's lots of different ways that I think this all could shake out and I think starting this kind of chapter with going west of Westeros and potentially coming in contact with a Kraken or worse and finding those three islands and mysterious new fruits and creatures um, 
bodes really well for that mysterious mm-hmm. sense of adventure of everything. It also it kind of comes full circle a little bit at the end of the chapter when Eamon gets killed. Who is it? The Mirren? It's a it's a mirror it's the a mirish like pirate. I call yeah. him a sniper in yeah. my notes. Like he basically gets sniper, but the guy's aiming at the even star of Tarth, so like the current ruler of Tarth. Right. And it's dusty and uh it's hard to see and he misses his aim by a few yards, so it catches that dude in the throat. But it's all of this is it's extra conflict that George says at yeah. some point. He says, We can't really get into this, Left but over. you go on, sorry. He says we can't really get into this, but there's this huge conflict that goes on, yeah. basically. Yeah. With other peoples in an in our place still, but you know, pirates are there. It just kind of reminded me of what you're saying, that the world is so much bigger than what's actually happening here mm-hmm. in King's Landing. I feel like we get that way more in Fire and Blood than we got that in A Song of Ice and Fire. We get whispers of it in, in A Song of Ice and Fire. Like and then you, you said. really see it in book five and, and or and four really too with the cell swords and stuff. And totally. a lot of people are like, what is all this random hard language right. stuff, the hard, difficult to pronounce people? And we're doing like the same meetings you would do in King's Landing, but it's not entertaining us in the same way. We totally. went through this for the past like handful of years doing the reading order, but yeah. You just get such a zoomed out version that really in my mind... Um, highlights how big the world is. And something we talked about, I think, on our last episode, something that I loved about that opening scene in this chapter is when you think about what Corliss Valerian's seen, Mm -hmm. he's seen some stuff. And so that information that he then is going to take into his day-to-day conversations that we're hopefully going to get to kind of see some of that benefit in House of the Dragon. Hopefully in a non-cheesy way. Hopefully in a non-cheesy way. Like a non-pretentious way. way. Totally, but what if it's cool, you know? He's seen all of these places. Not like like talking down on people with an air. I hope that that's not like jerked off. I'd rather than like jerk off him being cool like Oberyn than being like, I'm better than you. Yeah. Like be swarthy and salty. It hasn't... Aired yet, so no, we can still aired. be excited. Yeah. No, that the, the princess's dragon. <laughs> I mean, listen, Hannah's coming after the HBO social media accounts. I am because they're not good. It's not <laughs> HBO's. It's well, okay, yeah, it is HBO's. It's them, um, yeah. It's so base level, uninteresting. Look, we don't have necessarily great social media presence no. either. Hell no. <laughs> so Hell I have no, no room to talk. No, you're right. You're right. I don't but, either. But it's true. That I'm not is getting, funny. We're not getting paid to run our Instagram That's true. account. If anything, it's the opposite of that. <laughs> yeah, it takes, exactly. They're paying us. It takes away from my life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, another kind of thing I wanted to highlight in this chapter, like from a very broad strokes level, is just like the passage of time. We get so much information in Honestly, a pretty long period of time. And there was a line very it goes specifically. 63 to 100, I think. Yeah, at yeah. the end of the chapter when Jaehaerys looks around his small council and he thinks to himself, <laughs> I don't know who, who any are all of these, these people. people. Yeah, these are my guys, but I don't know who any of these people are. Whereas at the beginning of the chapter, he's very careful about who's there in the room and they're having lots of conversations about this new Tyrell master of coin after Rogo draws... Rago. Rago draws. How dare you get his name I'm even sorry. slightly Especially wrong? Especially on his deathbed. I know. May he rest in peace. Bed. But, <laughs> well, cobblestone yeah. street. <laughs> I guess it is a bed if you're laying down. <laughs> yeah. Wherever you die is technically a bed. Yeah. Um, but you just. The Fossaway wife? You get. Ever placed them with the Tyrell husband? Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're like, Tyrells are dolts, but. His wife's pretty smart, and it yeah. worked out really well. Red wines hate Tyrells. It was that made that was such a hilarious conversation. We don't get a lot of those conversations, and that one was yeah, a plus ten yeah. out of ten. The maester decided at that moment it was like, oh, this is a this is good to write down. But we get the conciliator into the old king. You know, Jaehaerys is y- sprightly at the beginning of this chapter. Yeah. He's out there fighting battles, and he's the man. And then 
at the end of the chapter, he's doesn't know who's in the room with him. I mean, he does, but you know what I mean? He's yeah. just thinking, where's the time gone? Where are all my guys? I'm at the end of my life. And mm-hmm. so there's just a major like through line of time. A lot of time passes and he outlives many of his kids and many of his court. But I really liked how everything kind of came together at the end of the chapter. Like it really felt like the changing of the guard. And I know that that is obvious because Alisane passes, but it just really felt like we were coming into a new era of Targaryen reign. Remember we were just starting it? I know, that's what I'm trying to say. It With feels, those two? Yeah. And we were like... And you were hmm. so skeptical. Mm-hmm. I was, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm... It's just... I want it to be my own methodical experience, not something that's forced on me. There's a lot of outside pressure whenever you open your mind to the world about things. And it just is a, is not really necessary. That's how I feel about House of the Dragon. Yeah, well, it's getting that way, but, you know... I just try I try not to pay attention and uh, just enjoy the good stuff and it has been really good and I know that we're really excited about it but um, the way this chapter ended with the way that he spoke about Alison passing away and then my book said that there was one page left in the chapter and I turned it and it was just that smiling illustration of her, her. <laughs> so sad so, she so was nice. too unsteady so to nice. fly Silverwing yeah. last carried her into the sky in 93 AC. So when she came back she to Earth again and climbed painfully from her dragon's back, the queen wept. She said the age was more cruel than Magor. And then she dies on Dragonstone where her and Jaehaerys had the happiest days of their lives. They reconciled at the end, though. For sure, yeah. Which is great. Why wouldn't they? You know, I don't know, you know. Some I, people don't like to do that. Well, but there's some moments <laughs> they, they, there where you're not sure. They are bigger they're than bigger that. But it took that. their kids to be pay that's true you don't have all the time in the world basically yeah what's your deal yeah it's a pretty big disagreement the over their daughter like the way that sarah was treated pretty big disagreement whose side do you take uh (laughs) i take neither side (laughs) one is ridiculous and the other is ridiculous basically yeah I also don't take her side. I don't take anyone's side. No. I think everyone needs to chill. Can we talk about that situation? The Sarah situation sure. was... Yeah. So we we just did the overarching uh, tot, like a helicopter view. So Let's I, dial into some let's moments. Let's dial into some of these moments. Yeah, okay. So you want to go right to the most salacious one? Well, it's just the most... <laughs> it is the most salacious one. Because when we're talking about their kids being... Problems. Problems or unpredictable or out of line. Yeah. I know there's a couple other ones that cause issue. For many different reasons, but Sarah just takes it to another level, and her attitude is, as a reader, hilarious. I want to describe, it says when she was born, so when she's born, she gets like a one-liner about her, and then we don't hear from her for like half the chapter. She was born in 67 AC, unnecessary, but she's tempestuous, demanding, and disobedient. It's kind of what she was described of as a, as a kid. Compared to her sister, Daella, who was born before her, who was delicate and shy. All of them just have these wildly different personalities. And she's demanding and disobedient even from day one. Which First word was no. Yeah. Big uh, Dudley Dursley energy. <laughs> totally. His first word was won't. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> totally. And I love it says she has a vicious hunger for milk, for food, for affection, and for praise. A little some Rhaenyra in there. 
So awesome. Uh, Arya Targaryen had once been thought to be wild and willful given to acts of disobedience, but Princess Sarah's girlhood made Arya seem a model of decorum in comparison. And she's just pulling pranks and drinking whatever she can get her hands on. Yeah, by 12, she's not stealing cakes. She's stealing wine and showing (laughs) up at court (laughs) with her parents doing official stuff, just being a little tipsy. She's so far down the line. It sounds fun because she's so far down the line where she's got to know. The ninth kid, yeah. She's just... You know, all eyes don't necessarily have to be on me. Although it yeah. sounds like Jaharis kind of dotes on her a little bit, but she's just having a good time. And it, but it's what's interesting to me, and maybe this is just like a modern perspective, is how this whole thing is described as the most troubling and distasteful chapters in their reign is what happens with Sarah, which hmm. I guess this is pretty, like you said, salacious. Uh, I mean. Not compared to actual trouble. See, that's where it gets weird because we were just laughing and they laugh and I think talk pretty warmly about how Alyssa likes to furiously have sex with her brother. And it's totally cool. She's as body as a tavern right? winch and she's right? not shy about it. And she's, she's telling everyone about it. screaming down the halls. I guess that's why. Maybe it's partially because she's not shy. She's married. That's why. Yeah, that that's too. the only reason. That too. And, and it's... She she kind of owns it more than being slippery about it, right? But yeah, me I guess married is a lot. And it's it's just a lot one of it. guy. Yeah, and one, it's one guy. It's the and one she's, she's supposed to be with. Yeah, yeah. Okay. they're supposed to be having kids, right? So that's a good thing. It's like ah, oh, you know, young love, sure, kind of right. thing. Okay, so like in 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 uh, placed against that, it's a bit weird. It's like how could that be so? How could what she's doing be like the worst thing out of this forty year chunk of Targaryen interpersonal history? It doesn't really make a lot of sense that it would be the worst thing. But maybe the way that they, what, what, it leading them to disagree is why it ended up being so potentially bad because not sure. a lot of bad things did happen. Right. So maybe it cr- causing like the great rift is partially why it would be referred to as that. And also because of how much Jaharis turned away from being his normal, level headed, um, courteous self, other than when someone's, threatening the lives of people that he cares about, like truly threatening the lives of, um, did he become someone that would disembowel somebody or geld somebody? Uh, uh, Luca Moore, he, I mean, he gelds him, but I think he really does that because Allie doesn't like him. Well, and I also <laughs> think that's not his kid. Are you talking about? The way that they deal with, Luke deal with him, yeah. Yeah, it's not his kid, and that's why it's a little weird. I think he's a little bit weird about sex stuff, to be honest. He's a little bit more conservative like, than, than it seemed. Like well, you think, but... <laughs> Well, it makes me think about like exceptionalism a little yeah. bit. You know, my More kids, yeah, my kids are yeah. pure. My daughter is this pure maiden who yeah. I can then farm off to somebody to make a great alliance. And now I can't because there's three guys who think that they're the they're the first. Mm-hmm. And she's worth. She's less. not pregnant, but her friend is. And in the eyes of at this point, the gods and men, she's worth less because she's her maidenhead's been taken from by somebody else. So it's less of a good trade. Yeah. But there's more to it than that of Jairus being defi- mad. It there's was, definitely more to it. She threw it in his face and also she compared herself to Magor, which was the last straw. It's like, it, it makes sense to invoke Targaryens in a sense that being someone who has not the same moral requirements from the people around you um, as a Targaryen, it would be tough for Jaharis to argue something like that, even though he and his sister have been pretty... I guess, conservative outside of the fact that they're incestuous, which they've normalized to some degree. Exactly. So it doesn't seem different. 
But at the same time, you can kind of see how she would have that attitude in some degree. And so if you notice in that part of the conversation, um, well, like, I don't know if you would call it a conversation. It's basically she was in the, in the court while he's surrounded single, by his top people, yeah, the maesters yeah. there. And uh, she's basically being treated like a criminal. Um, she then invokes, Magor had six wives. How come, you know, like I could take all three of these guys as my husband instead of picking one and it'll be fine. That is a really great sequence where they confront her. They confront everyone that's involved in that Blue Pearl incident at the um, at that, um, what would you call it, brothel, I guess. Yeah. And um, they question everyone else involved, the, the three guys, the two other girls, and they eventually start questioning her. And her attitude on being on display, the kind of person that you were describing, the little baby that said no first, her attitude being on display, going through all of these different ways to make it the best way that she could through the situation. I don't think that I saved that whole chunk because it was quite a chunk, but if you're listening along and you don't want to read all the different parts of Fire and Blood and you're interested in seeing how George makes sense of a potentially long conversation in a twisted young lady's mind and her father trying to deal with it, it's very interesting because... I've got it here. Go ahead. Sarah crumbled then. So basically, they said, talk to us or you're going to... Um, it's not about the fool that you yeah. guys tricked to go there. This is about you guys because your friend is pregnant. Exactly. Sarah crumbled then and the words came tumbling out of... The, I hope this is what you're talking about. Yeah, it is. Tumbling out one after another in a rush. A flood that left the princess almost almost breathless. She went from denial to dismissal to quibbling to contrition to accusation to justification to defiance in the space of an hour with stops at giggling and weeping along the way. Septon Barth would write, she never did it. They were lying. It never happened. How could they believe it? It was just a game. It was just a jape. Who said that? That was not how it happened. Everyone likes kissing. She was sorry. Perry started it. It was fun. No one was hurt. No one ever told her kissing was bad. Sweetberry had dared her. She was so ashamed. Balin used to kiss Alyssa all the time. Once she started, she didn't know how to stop. She was afraid of Stinger. The mother above had forgiven her. All the girls were doing it. The first time she was drunk, she had never wanted to. It was what It was what the men wanted. Miguel said the gods forgave all sins. Jonah said he loved her. The gods had made her pretty. It was Uh-oh. not her fault. This is my favorite one. The gods had made her pretty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's like, it's not That's my the best problem. Argument. <laughs> it's not her fault. She would be good from now on. It will be as if it had never happened. She would marry Red Roy Connington. She had to for- they had to forgive her. She would never kiss a man again or do any of those other things. It wasn't who her her who was with child. She was their daughter. I'm your son. <laughs> she was their little girl. She was a princess. I'm just your little boy. <laughs> if she were a queen, she would do what she would what she would like. Why wouldn't they believe her? They never loved her. They she hated them. They could whip her if they wanted to, but she would never be their slave. Yeah. It was it, it I listen, I relate is it, so is it over? deeply. Keep it going. Um no, it says this um what's his name? Um Septon Barth says, there was never a, she took my breath away, this girl. There was never a mummer in all the land who gave such a performance. But by the time, by the end, she was exhausted, afraid, and her mask slipped. What have you done, the king said, when at last the princess ran out of words. Seven, save us. What have you done? Have you given one of these boys your maidenhead? Tell me me true. (laughs) True, said Sarah. It was in that moment with that word that the contempt came out. No. I gave it to all three. They all think they were the first. Boys are such silly fools. I just relate so deeply on this. Every th- the back and forth, the back and forth. The <laughs> it's like she just. I think about me as a teenage girl trying to get out of trouble. Yeah. 
going through the roller coaster. It is yeah. such a great paragraph that George writes there. And I feel like it is so true. I think everybody listening has probably had those experiences when you were a teenager. You're caught red-handed. Mm-hmm. I'm a princess. They made me pretty. It's not my fault. You don't like me. You hate me. I'm never going to be your slave. You know, just the wildest things. Squirming. It is, it's really good. So... You know, whether or not what she did was actually quote-unquote bad, well, then she seals her fate. And it said, I think that's literally what the words in the chapter say. She, she then runs escapes. away the first time. She runs away. Yeah, she goes. The first time. Makes it to, like, the edge of town. Yeah, and you're just like, girl, come on. You already got caught. Like, and then she eventually makes it, you know, away, away. But I can understand as, I can understand both Jaharis and Allison's approach to the situation and so like you said we can't side with either of them because both of them react pretty extremely and also both of them react so differently but it's a pretty big deal to them and so crazy the king punishes what's what's crazier though is what's his name when he says, I want a trial by combat, he's like, who's going to, oh, then I choose trial by combat. So well, Jaharis brings it up because the whole time he's like, I'm going to fuck up the dude mm-hmm. who despoiled my daughter. And in this case, it's not like modern day where it's like, I might confront that guy and nothing's going to happen. But he's like, he, he's like, I'm the king and I'm going to fucking kill you. Then I choose trial by combat, Singer <laughs> said. He was by all accounts an arrogant young man and sure of his skill at arms. He looked about at the seven king's guards standing beneath the iron throne in their long white cloaks and shining scale and said, which of these old men do you mean for me to fight? This, this old man. man. <laughs> <laughs> That's Jaehaerys Targaryen, the one whose daughter you seduced and despoiled. Man, Jaehaerys then flexes so hard on this guy. Yeah. So hard. He lets him wear himself out, essentially. Yeah. Takes his morning star on the shield over and over till this younger man uh, basically peters out. And then he's like, all right, now I'm going to just chop these little sensitive parts of your armor now. This strategy is what a... Uh, uh, two warring armies could do against each other in battle or what two warring kingdoms could start to do when they're just in their solars making plans and they might have the same uh, distinction between the age and the potential power the potential cunning the potential agility and that's how smart Jaharis is and he's been he's been flexing that amount of agility mentally since he began a, became a character in this book series or in this book and uh, he used that computationally on the fly and emerged victorious and he made his daughter watch. Well, they, I guess, by that extension, was... made her watch from the tower Ooh. she was locked in. Boy, howdy. I know. And so after this situation, they mail her off to her sister in Old Town, who is a silent sister and now a septa at this point. I think it was Majel. It's hard to say yeah. some of their names. And God darn it, there's so many kids this chapter. But um, we can re- remember Sarah's name and yeah, Alyssa's name for sure. I wonder why. <laughs> hey. Not the not the ones who went over there and started uh-huh. to be actually <laughs> conservative. Yeah, uh, and uh, she survives for a while. She stays there for a long time. And Septon Barth basically believes that it's going to be a sort of period for her to apologize, to like trade some time. 
and uh, learn a little bit of humility and a little bit of discipline when she previously has not had to do any of that. It's all been based on cunning, how much fun she would have. That's why they thought it'd be funny to send Tom Turnip. Mm-hmm. As uh, Red Roy in this chapter puts it, it uh, <laughs> we thought it'd be funny to see Turnip do the deed. <laughs> <laughs> they need something to do. God, that's so fucking hilarious. They need something to do. Uh, you know, like, that's what they would do. That's mm-hmm. what they would do. So, um you know, a big change is is horsehair brushes and getting caned when you do something wrong and having your hair shorn off and having to wear the scantest of clothings like burlap bags against your skin. And she just doesn't want to have any of it. So as a response to this whole situation, probably more so, but maybe also a nod toward her actual inner spirit, which if that's how she wants to be, uh, her dad, even if he's the king, is not going to stop her. She finds a way to go to literally the most world famous whorehouse and become <laughs> Anna Grind sheepishly. She's like, oh shit. Like, yeah, that's what she did. She worked her way up into a Lyceny pleasure garden and uh, keeps her head shaved and stays. She cosplays. Uh-huh. She is literally an anime girl, but for something else, she's like pretending to be. Uh, I'm just a novice learning young church girl, and I'm really interested in the seven-pointed star. Please teach me everything Please you know. Please teach me everything you know. And, uh, it's a good angle. As they say, as someone says in this chapter, um, uh, that's a really attractive feature for some guys out there looking. And then Jaharis later says in this chapter, like, how much do you think a Targaryen prostitute is worth right like imagine how much money she gets paid for this listen to what he says about her queen alison wept to hear it when he found out where she was they have made our daughter into a whore she said she always was the king Mm. replied yikes yo so how does that land if you'd like try to put yourself in her shoes and your dad says that how the fuck does that land i would she always yeah that is kind of put a gun to her head that's a little intense but you know dude like he's low-key right too though He's low-key right. I mean, that's... The problem is he looks down on it too hard, and they judge too harshly, and they punish too harshly. And so, like, all of that overpressure, like, leads to some kind of diffusion in another direction. Of course, that that energy is going to be conserved in some way. It's it's not going to go nowhere. And the way that she was brought up, there's a... I, again, I don't have this one saved, but there's a long paragraph where it talks about all of her different siblings and the different role that they played in the dynamic in the royal court and especially as kids to their parents and how she was often just pushed to the side and lacked a lot of that attention because her older Dayella needed so much attention yeah but that was just one of the kids right. there's so many different roles that all those kids played and she sort of landed in there she wasn't even prettier than Visera, you know she was still beautiful um but you know she had to sort of like make it all in her own way and so with all of the best laid plans when you open up the door to that many potential variabilities with those kids and you don't have enough time to manage all of it while you're trying to do the realm your own relationship the roads and stuff it's just good that jaharis and ali's son didn't take on paramours because their lives would have been so much worse and so much more complicated they would have opened up themselves to some serious potential for demise quickly especially when you start involving people sexually like actual lovers in the court and shit like oh my god well jaharis makes such a strong point at the end of the chapter when he he and Alison are separated, and all the the kingdom starts to notice. Yeah, so the kingdom starts to notice. So people start sending their girlies over to him to try right. to seduce him, and he's pretty stunned. One but woman I th- man. I think he understands what you're saying. You know, yeah. you got to keep your base tight and small. But this wasn't tight, though. 
that's the thing about that's what I think is such BS about this. And it makes sense to me because you know what a shitty way to handle it. Look what happened. She she's you're never going to see her again. Yeah. Be, well, it makes sense to me. No, exactly. I think he handled. I think he went a little too off the rails personally. But you know, it messed with him because the after this whole situation, it says. For the first time, men were calling him the old king rather than the conciliator. So this really weighed on him, I'm sure, in conjunction with the 10 million other things that were going on. But this is, it's described specifically right after this situation that he started to look really old, basically. And so even if he reacted pretty harshly, seemingly, in my mind. So now he has a, a kid that's essentially dead. And this is a situation that goes on for years between him and Alison. Um, it yeah, it's really like 16 years, I think. I think it was like well. 84 when that went down. Yeah. 13 kids. So uh, her two friends got eventually married off. Um, one <laughs> went on to lead Maidenpool with another one of the guys that was in the... Seems fine to me. <laughs> was it, that's, it's like you fell up when you're... That, when <laughs> exactly. Li- it's like even the guys, Red Roy and uh, Sneaker Beesbury and uh, what was the other guy's name? Jonah Mooton. God, you're never going to hear me say these names again, by the way. Uh, they, they, even they were like, when they were in the court with Jaharis, were kind of like, we're your kid's friend. Mm-hmm. Like, this is all pretty chill, right? And they were pretty much right. Totally. Pretty and much. Jaharis says something along the lines of, I can't do anything to your parents because they didn't do this. So I'm not going to take all the lands away, but I could. It's pretty safe. It's pretty safe. But I could. Safe. So you go on to be the Lord and Lady of Maidenpool and um, Sweetberry. Uh Went to the veil. Um, Red Roy said, I'm not going to marry that girl. No way. Uh, I'm not going to carry around, st- I'm not going to raise Stinger's bastard. And then she has a red haired kid. Right. Kind right. of red hair. Okay, obviously. Hilarious. And uh, Dunstan Pryor from uh, The Fingers married her. So we'll see what that eventually shakes out for us. I probably, it's probably information. This is probably one of Littlefinger's, uh, um, like, uh, what's it called? Family. Mm-hmm. Relatives mm-hmm. probably came Somewhere from this, this like tree. weird situation. Sure. This that weird would be little, awesome. this little weak, uh-huh. little <laughs> just with without any like strength behind it situation. <laughs> he comes out sniveling, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, today when I was walking my dog, uh, I was like, uh, I gave my dog a new nickname. The list he's got like 150 nicknames, and so his new name is first half of it. Something that goes this uh, feels like Stinger, but I call him Peasbury now. Whenever he pees on stuff, so he needs the first half. Uh-huh, it'll come to you. Yeah, but at least she didn't come back. At least she didn't take. Remember when he was like, uh, and who, you never, you never know. She might have taken Balerion. Was she going to take Balerion too? Like they're right. so they're so burnt from Arya Targaryen's mishap with the dragon and the As runaway the mishap. Is a fun way to put it. At least she didn't come back with weird face snakes with faces inside of her. But uh, she's probably drinking a lot of moon tea. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, probably getting knocked eight, around a little. Yeah, probably ain't too good over there. But hey, I bet she's like making a lot of money. I think at one point this she left Lise, and she's going to come back later in Fire and Blood, which is super interesting. Unfortunately, Allie's not going to be there, and Jaws not going to be there, but. That that is cool, especially you know, there's all these matters of secession that happen later, and people are counting her out. But homegirl hey. is still kicking. It. She's like, I can grow this hair back. Uh-huh. All right, I'm still out here. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of them, like I said, most of her siblings pass away. Yeah. 
the the next little vignette is about Viscera, who passes. Yeah. So it says in because in the space of five years, three of their daughters are gone, and they're not um, like newborns either. No, These they're are her kids, grown kids. women. Yeah, Daella and her and her both Daella and Alyssa having kids. And well, I guess Alyssa's situation is a little bit straightforward because there's not a lot of backstory on her other than the fact that she likes to get it. Well, Alyssa's She likes situ- to fly. She likes to ride. She likes to mount. Likes Alyssa's to mount. situation is really sad to me, though, because her and Balon are... Killing it. They they yeah. really like each other, yeah. you know? They've got such a strong bond and what she says to him about wanting to give her... She says, let me just recover. Let's do it again. Let's I want to give you so many kids. She's like, I... He was like... They both like gave each other the same compliment. I think what you do is so awesome. It was so nice. She's like, this is my job. You were made for that. I think you were made for that. And she was like, all right, let's get it. I just got to like, I just pushed out a kid. So let, give me let a me, minute. Give me some some stuff to drink. And then she never recovers, which is really, really, just the way that it was described. It says something about her. It, says, it, it describes it as Alyssa's body failed her. Yeah. She just wasn't able her to do anything. Was there. That's what sucks. The shell, the little carapace that we come in can sometimes betray you. Like Rogar getting old and he's like, I can feel pain and I know it's going to get worse. And it's like, I was thinking to myself, I was like, I have all these weird pains. And I know that eventually they're going to like start getting worse. And I'm like, fuck, what? That's the, the passage of time. I know. That's and the it's worse than Magor. Of time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so the Alyssa's situation just broke my heart because especially Balon is really cut up about it. He eventually, you know, is fine, but... Yeah, I would be caught up about it, too. Dude. He never ceased to honor the memory of his sweet lady with a broken nose and mismatched eyes. Romantic. They actually liked each other. At that's that point, the, at that point, thing. you see the beauty when you're looking at that, even exactly. though it's on, on paper not the best. That's the sad part. Yeah. I would love to have seen what they could have done. Well, at least they had sweet kids, too. They did. They liked each other so much that they you could hear them shrieking from across the yard. <laughs> And then Viserys and Damon came out of that situation. Dude, that's the thing about it, though. That's the thing. They got some of the ones. That's the thing about it. Like, these two are bros. Yeah. They are bros. And they came from a situation like that. It just makes it a little bit sweeter. You know? A little bit sweeter. Daella, man, just, I, I, (laughs) you got no patience for a girl like that, I feel like. Let me just let you talk about Dayla. No, No. (laughs) why don't you talk about it? There's no need for me to even get on this. There's no need. There's all different kinds of people in this world, and we should all be nice to everyone. That's what I think. (laughs) That's not really... Well, you do think that, but I also can guess what you think about this situation. It's not my business. (laughs) (laughs) You have a podcast about it. It is your business. It's not my business. Dayla is... They... I want to. I'm. I'm tapping through to find out what they call her because they really dog on her and diss her pretty bad, talking about how much help she needs essentially. But her 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 story is sad because it seems like she's going to be fine for a while. It seems like she's going to be in a good situation, but there was a major rift between them. Um, between Jaharis and Alexan because of oh, this. Yeah. And so Dayla... Allie's... Now you're messing up, Allie. Get over yourself on this one. This one was a little it's like out you, of line. Aren't you guys Targaryens? Didn't you fly a dragon to go to that place? I anyway. wouldn't describe, but they call her basically... I thought too much Bob Blast energy. <laughs> they call her like a dumb little flower, basically. Oh, is basically I don't remember. I, don't remember I wrote down... Name. I wrote down... I wrote... 
Dayella is a precious and scared and kind of dumb little flower. That's <laughs> what I wrote. So anyway, so she starts to get to the age of marriage and she dismisses a billion guys for so many different reasons. The there was a great quote in there. Yeah, you got it. That you wrote down. I didn't write it down, Ooh. but I saw that you did. They don't believe in God. She told her mother, horrified, I'd go to hell. She actually liked them. But the they Ducklings liked... one, too. Which one? The Naked Men. Oh, if she wants, I can find 100 men and line them up. I tweeted that. If she wants, I can find 100 men and line them up before her naked, and she can pick the one that she likes, he said. I would sooner she wed a lord, but if she prefers a hedge knight or a merchant or a paid the pig boy, I am past the point of caring, so as long as she picks someone. Um, that is not what you thought. And then I, I guess the whole quote is, uh, I don't have it written down, but it was, uh, she'd be afraid of like a bunch of naked ducks. Yeah, she too. Was, uh, uh <laughs> Alex Thomas goes, she, a hundred naked men would frighten her. And then he was like a hundred naked ducks would, would scare, do the same. would frighten yeah, her. Yeah, that's what I was thinking so basically, they're annoyed. Or Jaharis is annoyed. How about that punchline, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really stuck the landing on that one. Jaharis is annoyed because he is trying to do what he, what is his job, which is marrying his girlies off so that they can create these stronger alliances. And she's not sticking to the plan. So he gives her three guys to choose from. And she chooses Roderick Aaron of the Vale, the least interesting of the three options. He was 36, 20 years older, and had four kids. But she was so happy. Um... She they kind of describe that she was like really glowy and happy, and then she He's goes just to the like veil. father. Some it's girls like, are that like that. Is a lot of, to unpack there. Some girls sister. are like that. It's okay. <laughs> Listen, there's some girls like Sarah, and there's some girls like her. Mm -hmm. If Sarah's okay, this girl's okay. Of course, it's none of my business. <laughs> You're not commenting. He takes her back to the veil because uh -huh. he thinks she's gonna like it there, and she sends a lot of letters home talking about how happy she is and how everything is great, and then she gets pregnant. And she calls for her mom, and she basically <laughs> says, I'm scared. She goes, I'm pregnant. Get, come here, please. Come here as fast as you can. Jesus. I want to find you know exactly. what kind of an ass that is, how far it is, and she's on a mountain hold fast. But she's scared. She needs her mom. She's not scared. Well, you know, I scratched that. She's scared. But your mom's supposed to come there when, yes. like, that's you're married and you're, you live that far most, away. Most people, when you have your first kid, your mom comes. Really? Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> <laughs> That's really sweet. Yeah, so you can help you out because it's hard. It was very short. Okay, in the veil, however, her sister Dayla was not doing nearly as well. After a year and a half of marriage, a very different sort of message arrived at the Red Keep by Raven. It was very short and written in Dayla's own uncertain hand. I am with child that said, Mother, please come. I am frightened. Queen Alison was frightened too. Once she read those words, she mounted several wings within days and flew swiftly, swiftly to the veil. <laughs> She can see what Dale's like, hey, you didn't come fast enough. I heard you left within days. No. <laughs> Why didn't you leave that Immediately. <laughs> she, But then Dayla feels a little insecure about the fact that she wrote such a silly little letter. But when Alison gets there, she's actually scared too. Because Dayla is her little flower who is frail probably because they made her that way. She's such a small girl for such a big belly. She wrote the king. I would be frightened too if I were her. And then she dies in childbirth. It's really sad. She talks about how much it hurts. It's just this really sad yeah. bed scene of yeah. this little sweetie who you think that is just got it figured out for herself, you it know? Hasn't yet. And that it was going to be fine. And put a, a baby in her, and that's messed up. She can't even write her own letters. She was too young. She was 17. Alison and her grief blamed herself and Lord Aaron. She was 17. And That's Eerie's years past time for time to have a baby well, there. Yeah, for sure. Get with the program. She was 18, actually. Oh, 18. Well, that changes everything. I mean, yeah. 
ready. Anyway, she thinks that she was too young. What was her argument? What harm would have done for her to stay a little girl for a year or two longer? Yeah. She was not old enough or strong enough to bear a child. We ought to have never pushed her into marriage. It was never recorded how the king replied. So, How can you reply? I mean, Dayella's death tore the heart out of the queen. I mean... She's right, Listen, but she's end, she's complaining, but she's right. She is, at the end of the day, it's her kid, you know? She blames she's, Jaharis, though. I know, but she is, I'm not trying to, like, back her up, but she's riddled with unbelievable amounts of grief. Sure, yeah, that's she how She feels it like sense. it was her fault, too. Yeah. And so you're going to take it out on the person that you're love the most Well, she's Alexander Targaryen at the same time, too. I know, like but, she's, her, but Jaharis is her rock, so she can... You're right, that's the thing, you're right about unfortunately, that. Unfortunately... No, you're right, you are right about that. You're right about that. Why didn't he? I don't know. It's such a weird dynamic between men and women. You know, maybe he needed her to be more of a rock with the Sarah situation, but instead he just ham fisted his way through it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to say because, especially from you look at somebody like that who is trying to be both a father and a king, you know, it's not like the kingdom was going poorly because of it. Yeah. Yeah. Or that it was running itself. You know, he's got so many things to work out. Right after Dayla's death, as they talk about, there's a war. And I know it was a pretty easy war because they knew about it for a while. But the kingdom continues to run as his kids are also trying to navigate their way through the world. And he has to be involved. I just think that maybe, maybe uh, Ali Sam was right about her sons potentially being better kings than Jaharis because I think that especially Balin and Aemon had the ability to be that potentially maybe not as smart as him but uh, when Balin was able to show his sadness over his brother dying to his mom I think more of that energy from Jaehaerys when they really felt like they had lost their daughter instead of like sending her off and getting as mad as he did seeing that there was no hope for her would have went a lot further just telling his wife he was sad instead of just being vengeful about something that didn't even happen to him. Just that he was mad that someone under his control behaved in a way that he felt sorry for. Even if he had and, just know. said he was sad and then he acted the same way That's what way I'm saying, yeah. yeah. He just said, you know, or, or and I think maybe he did say he was sad in some degree, but just came back with so much vitriol mm-hmm. that it's just, or vitriol that it just sort of canceled all of it out. You can't really have that. That's, that's one of the things I was saying that is so strange about... Jaharis over time and Ali too with with this situation but the way you described it makes it seem like less of an issue because like they are supposed to be there for each other and allow for a little bit of slippage it's just that his slippage was so much more damaging than hers here and it's so unlike him to make such a big mistake to be so to be so angry about something when he was able to forgive someone like Rogar back in the day but Rogar's not his daughter yeah, and he but was like doting bigger on her. and worse stuff hurt. See, that's the thing. Yeah, he really doted on he her. He loved her. It was that's you know? that's a that's a weird, you know, interpersonal truth that um, I think is it's it's a good uh, demonstration of fire and blood to be able to show us these dynastic power moves and uh, large sweeping um, like stretches of time that involve characters that were once legendary and seeing how you know something as as uh, invasive as strong feelings for someone when you probably shouldn't have strong feelings about anything other than ruling with an iron fist if you're going to be the best king ever um, can bring that facade down 
even if it's not a facade, can turn it into a facade because it wasn't consistent enough through that situation right. too. Like the pressure got to you. Exactly. And normally the pressure doesn't get to him. Well, and you think about um, so much of this is like basically about good PR, you know, as a king. You think so? I didn't get that vibe from him about Sarah, but not could about be wrong. Sarah necessarily. But I mean, just like other situations that he's in. Yeah. Um, how important it is to just be that front that you're talking about, having that strong front. But so maybe that's why behind closed doors, and I know it's not behind closed doors, but in his private life, in these types of situations, he is a little bit more um, less stalwart because he's not, it's not like kingdom facing. He's not like going to war and not losing a single man. Yeah, He's dealing with his kid. And so it's harder to separate the two. So Viserra dies. <laughs> she dies really sadly. Yeah. She goes to yeah. basically seduce her brother and he dismisses her. And then she has one last jaunt in the streets before she gets shipped off to the next man she's going to wed and dies. She's going to go to White Harbor. It's really sad. It happens so fast. There's a lot of dying in the streets in this chapter. Well, I mean, it seems like a place to die. There's a lot of, and it's just, it's crazy, you know? When you go out in the streets, sometimes aren't you like, this is where it happens. This is where stuff sometimes happens. Sometimes when I'm walking down my street. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> so this could be it. Right. <laughs> this is the moment. Yesterday we were walking down the street and that, there was that guy who was squat. He was yelling for someone to come at him and he was doing squats while he was like waiting for this guy to come punch him. Right. <laughs> that situation is so you tenuous. You better be good at squats. <laughs> if like to be that committed to a squat and get punched in the face, you might lose your balance. You might tip you over. He squatted maybe 50 times though. Like right low to the ground. <laughs> anyway, the, the streets are, are um, you never know what's going to happen. Heat, yeah. You never know what's going to happen. She was beautiful. She was uh, beauty and grace. I'm trying to think about some of the other kids. You want to talk too. about how she died? No, oh, it's really sad. I also kind of It was kind of like drunk driving, basically. Yeah. It was kind of like a scene from... She gets decapitated, doesn't she? No, she something? breaks her neck. Well, yeah. She gets thrown basically at a wall from a horse. They were Ugh. they were partying, and yeah, you said like you said, it was a last hurrah, uh, her and her friends, basically. And um, she took... They were like racing through the streets of King's Landing back toward Baker's uh, Holdfast, being just loud and obnoxious. And um, she got launched at a wall and just... Yeah, I know it's gonna get a lot worse in King's Landing. I know for the for the the, the progeny of whoever's in charge while uh, people are in the streets and while they're drunk and racing around the dragon pit. She's particularly sad when they're so young and so you attractive know? too. That really and hit such me hard. A <laughs> yeah, yeah, that really that one really a hit me hard. A wasted hottie. Yeah, it's hard to see you go. There's also Vagon. Is it Vagon who? They also became Archmaester. Yeah. Yeah. Who was just mean and sour and dour. Looked like he was sucking on a lemon. Yeah. His personality is just. He's the opposite of Daela, basically. It's so interesting. Yeah. Or any of them when you. Not Daela. Um, Sarah or Vicera. Oh, well. I was just. Daela soft and. Oh, yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. Not. I see what you're saying. And they're both sort of like the same amount of like hard to pair. I guess the opposite of Daela would be someone who's really easy to pair. Right. <laughs> like yeah. Vicera. Yeah. I guess you're right. Anyway. Such a stark contrast between, you know, these girlies that are out running wild in the streets. Pair they try to and pair up together every yeah. He said, I would never marry her, the boy said in front of half the court. She can barely read. She should find some lord in need of stupid children, for that's the only sort he will ever have of her. And then... Dala seems scared of him. 
Who, who dumped it? Was it Viserra? Alyssa. Alyssa. Alyssa dumped a bottle of Arbor Gold on his head and he said, stop, you're wasting Arbor Gold. He doesn't even react at all. Which is an amazing quote. There's so many hilarious quotes. I fear for any butterfly that comes fluttering around Bagon. <gasps> I tweeted that one too. He's like to squash it flat beneath the book. And Balon tries to teach him to fight. Oh, yeah. Too. He's oh, like, come on, little scene. brother. Yep. Man. And his sister comes out in armor. Alyssa comes out and she's like, remember that time I poured that shit on your uh-huh. head? <laughs> <laughs> Embarrasses him. Those are such funny sibling dynamics I would love to watch on screen. But I thought there was so much pressure that was put on them. I also liked when um, Alice hands like, be sweet. Or Jaharis. Somebody says to... Um, Vagon, he says, be sweet to your sister. One day she will be your Alice. Yeah. Like, okay. He goes, uh. Absolutely not. No. She's an idiot. She can't read. I don't like girls. Yeah. Nothing is interesting to me. And then they basically go through all these different options. And Jaharis calls him in and says, we're going to make you an Archmaester. And he just says, good. Yep. And this then, pleases me. Uh, <laughs> and then Alice sounds like, I, I could swear I thought him smile a little. But. But yeah, you risk having a kid like that if you keep on pushing them out. It's you might so, just have one you don't actually don't like. Right, exactly. They, they were like, uh, why don't hang? we send them off to Old Town? And it'll be a dual purpose send off. One of those purposes will be you don't have to deal with them anymore. And J. Harris like slams his head on the table. He's like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> Your kid, our guy that we like, doesn't like one of his kids. He what has a so POS. Many of them. But he had so many of them. Of course, you're maybe not going to like one of your kids. One of your kids is going to be annoying. If you have that many kids, his. The personality differences, I just, there's so much life in the different personalities that all of them have. And so you just have time to deal with somebody like that. They can go read somewhere else. Yeah. Go yeah. go read at Old Town. Mean guy. <laughs> Let's talk about how Rigo Draws died. Oh, man. Yeah. That's also another sad street, street death. I'm yeah. scrolling up to find it again. There's so many things that happen. It's really hard to scroll between all the different pages. It's pretty early on in the chapter. Um, is it's during the shivers. So my favorite thing to, about the way Rago draws about the shivers. Yet. I know because that's also one of the literally the saddest death. Well, that's not true. And all these kids were born after, so I they're know. like, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> Rago draws. My favorite moment is when he is described because remember when he came into King's Landing riding on a horse. And he was so sleek and powerful, and we were like, yeah, the old guy was fat and ugly, and he had to be carried around. This guy is smart and cool. Yeah. We're going to try something new. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this guy just became like everybody else, and he was in his little carriage, too big to deal with anything. And uh, he gets pegged down. Part of me just wants to be that, you know? Carried around in your little... Not carried around. Like, I would understand if it came to that, but just he was, you know, so he just let all the good stuff get get to him. He was busy. Imagine how many pies and. He was busy and had lots of food around. Savory treats he had at all times. And back then, that was a sign of wealth. Yeah, but see, that part of it's less exciting to me, but the enormous amount of savory treats and (laughs) small sweets (laughs) over and over again. Now, I had, had, that's something I could get behind. I can't do it to a point where you put yourself in that kind of situation. Though, Rego, I thought you were you were smart. I thought you were crafty. He you just came got in so comfortable. So sleek. Yeah, I'm going to read what happened, um, or at least I'm still the, tabbing back to it. The specific uh, moment uh, when it happened, I'll read from uh, just to contextualize it. it. Was during the shivers, 
And um, it was a very long, long stretch of time. I believe it was over a year. can't remember the exact span of how long that was sweeping the nation. He's Pentoshi. And some people thought that it was brought over from Pentos, whether it was the rats or the people who they sometimes believe are rat-like. doesn't really matter. What really matters is that he was passing through the reeking heart of King's Landing on his palanquin. His house is not in the Red Keep. His house is down the street from the Dragon Pit, basically. Which is strange. He likes to avoid judgment, the amount of ladies of the night that he has over at his house. He wants to be in the thick of it all. He wants to be in the thick of it all, and he wants not to have his co-workers see what he's up to. You know, because he's basically buds with the king. It's less about the guards people and the maids and people like that. It's mostly just about his, his equals, just like even knowing what he's up to. And uh, that's fine with Jaharis because he's doing such and has done such a remarkable job as being the master of coin for the longest time. And he's been super dependable through a lot of different things. And uh, he's in his palanquin for some reason. I don't know if it was because of the folly of what he was up to that night that brought him near Flea Bottom. That would have been a little bit of extra, extra texture there. Or if it was because of uh, the need of maybe taking a shortcut because he was so heavy or because he wanted to get there so fast. Was it impatience? Was it a, a bad choice? Either way, it probably reflected the whole way that he got himself into this situation. Um, a bunch of people in Flea Bottom, a lot of them drunk. I mean, again, this is during the shivers, so pestilence is spreading and it's hitting those people the worst. And uh, with that, the lawlessness, because our our uh, commander of the Gold Cloaks has also passed away, and we're now sending the King's Guard into the streets to help police everyone, but there's seven guys, so there's a lot of lawlessness happening. Unnecessary rapes, um, people getting their houses broken into and getting their shit stolen for no reason, some people getting murdered in the street just because they w- were in the wrong place at the wrong time. We don't really have a modern equivalent of it. A lot of people like to make jokes. A lot of people like to talk about like the potential danger of, of metropolitan areas. But try to imagine King's Landing way before Carl Tanner was even the a legend in Genali. Like we're talking like old school, nasty King's Landing, and he's getting carried through the reeking heart of King's Landing through Flea Bottom and his fancy palanquin. His he's getting carried and. They're like, he's Pentoshi. He's the one, he's responsible for bringing the shivers here. And then when they tip it over and they attack him, he goes to, and again, they're half drunk. They're all hungry. And half of them are just wasted on gutter wine. And they knock it over and he tries to block their striking uh, with their assail, they're assailing him with like weapons and their fists and stuff. And he tries to block it with his hands. And when, they, when he does, they see that his fat ass fingers are covered in glittering jewels. And that enrages them further. So someone picks up a cobblestone, and I'm going to read it. When his lordship raised his hands to ward off the blows raining down on him, golden gemstones glittered on every finger, and the attack grew more frenzied still. A woman shouted, He's Pentoshi! Them's the bastards brung the shivers here! Great great <laughs> use of brung there, George! One of the men pried a stone up from the king's newly... Oh, he, he made... The, the streets happen. He was uh-huh. passionate about cobbling he was the, the one, streets. Yeah, yes. he helped to fund it. One of the men pried a stone up from the king's newly cobbled streets, 
street and brought it down upon Lord Rigo's head again and again until only a red mash of blood and bone and brains remained. Thus died the Lord of Air, his skull crushed by one of the very cobblestones he had helped the king lay down. Even then his assailants were not done with him. Before they ran, they ripped off his fine clothes and cut off all of his fingers till they claimed to his rings. When word reached the Red Keep... I got a lot of respect for Jairus for this. Jairus himself rode forth to claim the body, surrounded by his king's guard. So wroth was his grace at what he saw that Sir Joffrey Doggett would say afterward, when I looked upon his face for a moment, it was as if I were looking at his uncle. We're talking about Megor the Cruel. So what they do is they, he basically calls out to everyone. Do you have that quote? Or, or do you interrupt me because I've been he soliloquizing said, about Rigo Draws dying? Well, he, you're exactly what you were, were next. He says... I'm going to get a drink of, of this energy drink. I'm I would have the eyes. name of the men who did this. Speak now and you will be well rewarded. Hold your tongues and you will lose them. Many of the watchers slunk away, but one barefoot girl came forward squeaking out a name who I think ended up being her dad. Yeah. Um, he, she Three guys were caught, basically, and her dad was one of them, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but the promise of uh, being taken in by the king himself and probably having a shitty father. Sure. All kind of worked together at one. She led the king's guard to a wine sink where the villain was discovered with the whore in his lap and three of Lord Rago's rings on his fingers. Under torture, he soon gave up names of the other attackers, et cetera, et cetera. And as you said... The girl who led the king to the killers had a kinder fate. Taken in hand by Queen Alessandre, she was plunged into a tub of hot water for scrubbing. Her clothes were burned, her head was shaved, and she was fed hot bread and bacon. Well, she probably has a bunch of lice. Yeah, you're right. They probably have to. Yeah, you're right. Do you have a father? He was one of the bellies you cut open. Oh, yeah, you left out that part. They were like, uh, can we go to the Night's Watch? The Night's Watch... Are men of honor, and you two are low, or and you are lower than rats. Such men as these were unworthy of a clean death by sword or axe. He ruled. Instead, they were hung from the walls of the Red Keep, disemboweled, and left to twist until they died. Their entrails swinging loose down to their knees. That's some Magor shit because Rago was his guy. He was one of the top ones. Exactly. So some Magor shit came out for. Well, it, it. shows such a fine line between exactly doing the Magor stuff because you're cruel, yeah. or doing it because you have to. Rule or, and you or, have to stay in power. Someone crossed the line too. Yeah, it's exactly. Like you can't do it to this guy. Exactly. But also, yeah, he was one of the top guys. Yeah. Too, so yeah, and one of his bros. Yeah. That he took such a big chance on. A year before, great bonfires had been lit in public squares, and men and women had danced around them, drinking and laughing, whilst bells rang in the new year. One year later, the fires were consuming corpses, and the bells were tolling out the dead. It's really, really sad because you know, think about like at the very beginning of COVID what we thought it was going to be like. <laughs> this is what we thought it was going to be like. Not that it wasn't, it is. It wasn't this terrible, but... Um, yeah. It, so, it's what we thought, though. Yeah, we did think it would be like that. We were scared to go outside. Yeah. We'd so, be like we're uh, cleaning our grocery bags. Yeah, I know. And But the thing that's worse about the shivers is that there was... We didn't know if it was viral or not, and there wasn't seemingly any, like, through line that revealed itself of why certain people were able to get it and then recover. There was no real medicine back then either, and so it's just a guess, essentially. But what I loved so much about this chapter is the buildup of Daenerys, Princess Daenerys, coming in. And so they're talking about, like, all these people that catch the virus, these big guys that are dying. A lot of convenient deaths to clean it up. Right, Some story exactly. off the table you there, know? George. <laughs> Sweep things under the rug. But a lot of people are sick and it's hard and 
people are scared and then um mama I'm there's cold. a lot yeah exactly it was the hour of, it was the hour of the owl when queen alison was awoken by her daughter shaking her gently in the arm mother princess Daenerys said i'm cold there's no need to dwell on all that followed. Daenerys Targaryen was the darling of the realm, and all that could be done for her, any man was done for her. That was when I kind of talked about the moment, at the beginning of the episode, moments of the book that really like took my breath away. Essentially, this was one of them. Really early out the gate, it was just written so the buildup yeah. was so great, and the impact of her just saying she was cold really hit me she's six and all of these things that kind of go on to talk about all these things that they do it talks a lot about the kind of medicine that they were dealing with at the time prayers and poultices hot soups baths blankets hot mustards hot mustards (laughs) i'm like hey let me try that i'm feeling kind of cold guys right (laughs) prayers um getting rid of all the rats her kitten all these different kinds of things. Um, yeah, that was her an dragon. Remember, he says his daughter must have a dragon. Yeah, so he didn't have enough time to go get it, but he was like, if maybe if I get her an egg, she'll turn it's into a real okay. Targaryen. None of it mattered. A day and a half after she had woken her mother from her sleep, complaining of feeling cold, the little princess was dead. And they talk about th- what a blow this was because of exceptionalism. I wanted to read some more about that. Um, Jaharis. Death of their beloved daughter must have seemed especially cruel, for it struck at the very heart of the doctrine of exceptionalism. Princess Daenerys had been a Targaryen on both sides, with the blood of old Valyria running pure through her veins. Targaryens had purple eyes and hair of gold and silver. They ruled the sky on dragons. The doctrines of the faith and the prohibitions against incest did not apply to them, and they did not get sick. It was unthinkable that a pure-born princess should die shivering, as if she were some common child. So I think about this coloring the way that Jaharis thinks about all of his other kids, you know? They're not common children. They're Targaryens. And so they have the doctrine of exceptionalism like we were talking about with Sarah. They're different. They're special. They're above everything else. And so the she would die shivering as if she were some common child. Yikes. With all the protection of not being in the middle of a bunch of filth or anything. And constantly being cleaned and but still, I mean, sort of quarantined in some way. Yeah, you know, and they changed a lot of the, of the ways that they behaved there at the Red Keep, based on a sort of idea of quarantine. And uh, still, you know, it spread. So interesting and a cool way to start out the chapter to sort of frame the rest of the way that they, like you were just saying, might see the rest of their kids in the face of having the idea of exceptionalism be updated in such a specific way. So that's neat. She's all written really well. Good job, George. There was a lot of cool moments in here that stuck out like that. And uh, I'm excited to see them be, see more of that in Hot D. Because like, that's going to be the whole thing. The whole thing is going to be moment to moment. It's going to be a TV show. Totally. So it's going to be the overhead view, then zooming in on certain uh, really interesting lines and, and poignant things. Because you want to lead to that moment that got poignant. So hopefully it's all going to be that same energy. I think so. I, I feel... Pretty, I mean, as we've said over and over again, I feel pretty confident in that. But I, I'm, I was thinking a lot about like Rainey's and Corliss uh-huh. talking about you know moments leading up to a big thing. Like we, we get a little bit of kind of what their relationship looks like at the end of the chapter at their wedding, triumphant. And there's just some little quips Badass. between them. 
It just seems like a little playful, cutie relationship. But they're powerful. But they're really powerful. Yeah. yeah so that made I'd me. I go to the ends. I came back from the ends of the yeah. world with you. We could go together, but I would beat you because I'll be flying on a dragon. It was such a good energy between them. Sixteen-year-old hottie with a dragon. Uh huh. I hadn't really. I had forgotten about that moment between them in the preceding chapters that, or the following chapters, whatever. That kind of talk a little bit more about their storyline, and so that was a cool glimpse into their personality. And it made me excited. It's like, oh, are we going to get some sort of combos like that? Like, are they, are they playful? Are they going to be playful like that? Or are they be. just going to be this, like... Because all we've seen from them of the trailer really is them, like... You know that scene of them, like, walking down the stairs together, yeah. like... With their whole family. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's... That's cool, yeah. but... Maybe they'll flashback to her being younger. I, I I had that same thought. I have no idea if that's Or maybe true. they're going to be, like, a slightly younger, like, uh, Elena Tyrell, like, owning energy, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, the older audience of the show would be, right. like, snapping with them. Like, right, yeah, right, right, right. That, that's us. Like, we're still badass. He's so much older than her. He's 37 and when they got married and she was 16. Yeah. So what? <laughs> Not so. I mean, it doesn't matter, really. But when you think about, I didn't realize he was that much older mm-hmm. than her. Just kind of the way we've seen them. That's a funny thing about like when, in context of when they got together, being so close to the Great Council and the stuff that we're about to start seeing unfold on Hot D, how they're really not even in the twilight yet of uh, their being middle-aged to going into old people by the time all that starts to really wind down. And yet... You know, we're they sort of are always in our brains as thought of as, as like the older people that are out of totally, the way. Totally, but she's but they're not really. Like I was saying with Ali San when but. she was born, when when um when Rainey's was born, yeah, and she, you're gonna be queen someday. You know, like uh-huh. those little riffs in it are already starting when she was born, and so yeah, they're like the old people that are gonna be lending guidance to this next generation that's really duking it out. But, and then her They're dad, part of it. Her dad dies in such a bad way and just like ruins the opportunity for for that to actually happen. Always winter. Jaharis never recovers. Dude, I, that was so. It's always winter such now. Such a good line. The whole I'm waiting for someone to say that, and they're sad. Yes, and it was Jaharis in Fire and Blood. Always winter now. Oh my gosh, there's another amazing quote in here about this. Okay, anyway, I'm going to read both of them. Okay. Seasons came and went in the years that followed. There were hot days and warm days and days when the salt wind blew bracing off the sea. There are fields of flowers in the spring and bountiful harvests and golden autumn afternoons. All across the realm, the roads crept onwards and new bridges spanned old streams. The king took no pleasure in any of it, so far as men could tell. Except it's, his roads. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's always winter now, he said to Septon Barth one night when he had drunk too much. It's always winter. But, okay, this was the... This was the definitive moment of this whole chapter for me. His grace grieved for Prince Eamon until the end of his days. But the old king never dreamed that Eamon's death in 92 AC would be like the hellhorns of Valerian legend, bringing death and destruction down on all those who heard their sound. Oh, shit. Because really, truly, I mean, if Eamon had lived, we would not have had any of the... He would have been a good king. He would have been a a great king. Yeah. And secession would have been clear. Yeah. But thus spurred the way it's described death and destruction to all those who hear the sound of the hell horns of Valyrian legend is just kind of like lucky he got out early (laughs) totally totally didn't have to be involved (laughs) the grandpa dragon like nah dude I'm out of here I just thought that was a very telling kind of paragraph that you could miss if you 
didn't know exactly what was happening. In what so. an indirect way, he was killed on accident. That's by a the little sad dart. thing. Yeah. That's the sad thing. I mean, that he was the a one. crossbow bolt. Poor Balon too. Then it's just it's sad. The whole end of this chapter, like you said, is really sad because then we go straight into Alison's withering away, and that's that's tough too because we it's her that we like. It's not just some random old lady. That was our young Queen Allie. How is it that I'm the old king now, but you're still the good queen? He asked her <laughs> once. Alysanne laughed. I'm old as well, but I'm still younger than you. Alysanne Targaryen died on Dragonstone on the first day of the seventh moon in 100 AC. A hundred years, a, a full century after Aegon's conquest. She was 64 years old. And then, yeah, I don't know why the picture. Uh, the picture I don't know why the um, Kindle version or whatever, the digital version is the word I'm thinking of. It's like an empty page, and then it's just this pic of her, which is like, it's a little funny and also really sad. It's, it's really sweet. impactful. It's sweet. Really sweet. I mean, she's been our girl. She's been our girl. And they're talking about how no one had been out there like she had been out there. No one had ruled like she was. She changed the shape of she what it meant bar. to be the queen. Yeah, she set the bar. And I don't know. We'll see if she ever is matched. You know, by even another kind of ruler. It's not just about the fact that she was a woman and did that. That, to me, that's obviously a uh, a big feat in the fit. Because like, uh, you could it'd be easier for you to be that way if you were a man, right? But she even did more than that. She did more than like what other men do. Totally. You know? So it's not about the fact that it was harder to do it. It's yes, it was harder, but the job that she did was also better. That's the thing that's impressive about it. She to was me. there. I totally yeah. agree with you 100%. Yeah. She did what nobody else did, not just what no other women woman was able to do. And so right. it was just getting to the end of her life. It really hit me in a way that I wasn't necessarily expecting. Yeah, same. No, same. So I tweeted Ali San with a crying face. I don't know if anyone cares, <laughs> but it's, it's on there. Oh, boy. A lot. Of time passes in this chapter. I'm trying to think. Like when Balin came back from, we, we didn't say, but after uh, Aemon dies from that bolt, the way he responds is killing everyone and allowing the the, the Tarth guys and um, people like the Valerians that were there helping to march their men and sort of like meet the same charge that um, um, the escapees were coming away from what his dragon fire was doing in the water. And then the the water there was pink. The waves were washing up pink for days after that fight. So he obliterated them in response for killing his brother. And one thing we didn't really talk about was the fact that, kind of like Alisson and Jaehaerys, like they were friends on a level that didn't get fucked up like we're going to see really soon with the successing progeny really close to these guys. So it's going to be like a similar dynamic, but these two actually really truly got along. And so... Seeing him come back and respond in such a complete manner was really fitting to their relationship and uh, nice and poetic, even though um, it involves like violence and you have to get that sad because someone you cared about died. Um, and like the situation that he's dealing with that Hannah was setting up earlier with the free cities and with uh, the Volantis and these Mirish pirates and these other pirates in general just becoming more, uh, I guess, organized. That's what's going to snowball into what we're going to see in Hot Deep with Damon. Mm-hmm. That's what he's going to be dealing with still with Corliss. Apparently, like, you know, caring so much about what's going on in Westeros and having a seemingly terse but okay relationship with Bravos has kept, like, most of the coastline totally safe, except for, like, down there. That's, like, a weak region. It's probably really realistically closest to, to Dorne as far as uh, 
what our best efforts would be. And uh, we have a shitty relationship with Dorn. And all of this is like the same way your personality or like your brain makes sense of like your own weaknesses and the things that you should do better at. It's like, of course, your weaknesses are going to uh, like uh, amalgamate right next to the stuff that is not good or that you're not paying attention to. And so, uh, I don't know, hopefully that gets crushed triumphantly in the TV show um, because it's so annoying. Like, pirates? Like, who are these guys? Like, we've got we've got Westerosi Islanders over here. Like, right. they're trying to do their thing. Like, we, we need to, like, what are they even getting, you know? We're, we might find out because we're going to get a, such an expanded view, it seems yeah. like, of what that conflict is instead of just a couple bullet points. I slew a thousand of them, he said, but it will not bring him back. And the queen stroked his hair and said, I know, I know. <laughs> the only other really big plot point that we haven't talked about that also just so happens to be my own, which we'll get to, is Rogar Baratheon's, his Lord, Lord Rogar's war, <laughs> the third Dornish war, which I don't understand. All of these wars are the Dornish war, but none of them have to do with Dorn, basically. But they keep calling everyone a different Dornish war. I think you're picking up on the secret yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. But essentially, Rogar, he wants to confront the Vulture King. You should say it like you said it in your notes. In my notes, this is my own. <laughs> this is the real world approach. To this this situation. is what I wrote down. I said Rogar Baratheon drops his kids off at court so he can go into the mountains to die. <laughs> 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 he thinks to himself, he thinks I'm getting old. It's at the end of my life. I don't want to die just sitting at home, anymore. and I don't want to deal with these kids anymore. And so I'm going to take them somewhere else where I know they're going to get taken care of, and I'm going to go to the mountains. And do what God intended for me to do, which is kill people. I don't want to die bleeding out the arse, he says. Right. <laughs> so he drops him off at court, and then he wants to go and take care of the Vulture King, which has been hiding out in the and, mountains. Uh, and, his brother, and his brother, who's, who's pissed part off of at his oldest son that came from old school Alyssa. And his brother is helping the Vulture King. Yeah. 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 He like went east, went to the free, like probably to a couple free cities. I forget which one they mentioned. And then he's like, all right, let me go back. And what's the most annoying thing possible? I'm just going to be slightly southwest of where I grew up with that guy. Is it even the same Vulture King? Nah. No. Let's see. Into the mountains. He says, so he takes his king. He says, it, it takes Jaharis. It says, it take, took the king Jaharis back. When are you gone? Why should oh, yeah. you gone? Where do you mean to go? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Lord Rogar's answering smile showed a glimpse of his old ferocity. Into the mountains, your grace. My maester says that I am dying. I believe him even before the shivers there was pain. I would not sleep away the life that remains to me. When I die, I want to die with an axe in my hand, screaming and cursed. Do I have your leave? Moved by his old friend's words, King Jairus rose and descended from the Iron Throne to clap Lord Rogor on the shoulder. Your brother is a traitor, and this vulture, I will not call him a king, has vexed our marches long enough. You have my leave, my lord, and more than that, you have my sword. He's like, I'm going out there with one of my boys. Inject that into my veins. So when they get there, uh, wait, this is your own. You talk about it. Well, my own is just that he go. He wants to do it, that he wants to go there to kill himself because <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> want to die. But the thing that is, so they go there and they, he marches there with some of his guys and Jaehaerys flies on Bermathor. He calls himself a vulture, the king said, but he does not fly. He hides. He should call himself the gopher. He was not wrong. <laughs> um, so he they bring himself, they go there and essentially 
I can't remember exactly what happens. Um, they find him like separated. They find uh, his his brother first, and then he's like, uh, Jaws, like I'm not I'll gonna let you it. be a, kin- yeah. a kinslayer. And then that guy's like, Well, I'm gonna be a kingslayer, right? And then that's not what happens. Then there's a great fire wins. There's yeah. a great pick of Jaharis like crouched down with a sword. You were like, Does your book have the pictures? It's like, Yeah, you point out, and you were like, That's the sword on the bridge energy. It's the same energy as um, Damon. Damon. Which makes a lot of sense. Everybody should go look at that picture. Maybe I'll I'll make it the picture of the episode or something. But anyway, then he, then Rogar deals with the Vulture King guy. It seems I will not die with an axe in my hand after all. He told the king sadly, nor did he. He died at the Storm's End half a year later. So R.I.P. You know. He, it was too easy. The vulture proved sadly unequal to that task. Wasted and weak and racked with pain as he was, Rogar Baratheon turned the Dornchman's attacks aside contemptuously, then clove him from shoulder to navel. It wasn't even hard. He was so excited. He was going to go up there. He was going to fight for his life. Mm-hmm. And he was going to win, but he was also going to die at the same time. But he was really sad because it didn't it didn't happen. So then he went home and died at home anyway. But at least he got a last adventure. I just thought the energy of that was hilarious. Hilarious. He takes all of his kids. He fit, he, he puts his affairs in orders. And then he goes out into the woods. Like you think about... Um, it's such like a Baratheon thing in my mind. Because you think about... Um, Robert, mm-hmm. he was like, I'm not meant to be a king. I'm mm-hmm. supposed to be killing people. That's what I'm good at. And now somehow that meant that I have to be in charge. Like I flew too close to the sun. It's like, I want to be the guy of my youth, which is just out there with my sword flying around in the dirt with sweat and grit in my teeth. And I want to be doing something. I just thought that was awesome. So that's my own to that. I'm going to give my own to a couple things. I have uh, some small little funny things. There's so many of them. <laughs> There's a lot. Um, but I really liked the three islands that Lady Alice found. <laughs> Alyssa, whatever you guys want to call her. Um, so I'm going to read a couple things. Um, this is the beginning of the chapter. But a most special of sh- shout out to the the dark Ibanese vessel they found out so far west. When you look at the map, you have to see how far they have to go from Ib to get over there. And it's like, that's why they're doing it. That's why they're known for that. They find the best whales, the best whale bones, and they know where to look, and they push the envelope. And that's really what you should take away from the people of Ib, is that they go a little bit further than you're used to, and they make a name for themselves in the best way possible. The two battered ships sheltered off the islands for more than a fortnight, making repairs and replenishing their stores. This is after, uh, I forget the name of the other ship that was destroyed, Moon something. Moonshine? I don't know. Yeah, that's what it was. (laughs) Uh, So that's not good. Lady Alice was triumphant. Here was land farther west than any land had ever been known to be. Islands that existed on no known chart. Since there were three of them, she named them Aegon, Rainies, and Visania. The islands were uninhabited, but springs and streams were plentiful, so the voyagers were able to fill their casts with all the fresh water they acquired. There were wild there were wild pigs as well, and huge sluggish gray lizards as big as deer, yikes, and trees heavy with nuts and fruit. After sampling some of those, Eustace Hightower declared that they had no need to go any further. This is discovery enough, he said. We have spices here I have never tasted, and these pink fruits, we have our fortunes here. 
in our hands. And the anecdote about them traveling west was informative because it painted a context in my mind that made it really feel like we were going to the edge of something very clearly of how the storms and uh, the potential danger of what could happen to us became so much more apparent the further they got. And the further they got, the further they got away from that first stretch of behavior, which was to be excited and happy. And then eventually there was that moment of pride where they cracked a bunch of wine casks open. And I'm curious as if, I'm curious to, do you think that if they celebrate, like that's why the bad stuff happened to them? Is that what you're saying here? Or is it just a coincidence that that's when it started happening? Well, I think they mention along the way, it says something about them ignoring the fact that no one had seen a bird for days, right? Is that before they started celebrating? Yes. Or was that after? Yes. That was also very telling in that whole situation. I think that was just kind of let it go. That's a bigger point. Yeah. But I think it plays into exactly what you're saying. I think so too. And uh, I'm not sure if the celebrating was sort of like in, the yeah, like an indi- indicator to the gods of this story. However, the story goes itself is uh, now it's time to unleash the Krakens and uh, allow uh, the weather to become worse. But it, it's so fascinating to me that you would get to like the edge of the map, air quotes, and storms uh, get so bad, you know, and the, the weather just all of a sudden starts changing. And it's like, are you strong enough to make it through here? Some never ending story shit. It really it's is. Very clearly. Uh, designed to paint the entire like textual meaning and a lot of times I don't like that and that's really not what a song of ice and fire does but when it's used like this so mysteriously I'm like hmm I'm kind of in, I'm kind of in it and they got past it there's this island with new fruit and heavy trees and it's just like man this is a great like stopping point if you need to refuel a perfect stopping point if you need to refuel um so all just like exactly what I needed it to be uh-huh. and I didn't know that I needed to be that and uh, that was neat, really, really neat. And I'm just so curious about, I know he hasn't written it, but I'm curious about what GRM thinks about Alyssa Farman. Like, where did she really go? Um, yeah. Was that really her shit? Right, Corliss exactly. Saw. Yeah. Right. Um, and uh, other shout outs, all the, the Sothorios, uh or Southy Rose. I'm going to struggle with that forever. Shout out to all, <laughs> all those people that uh, dealt with uh, microorganisms that fuck them up mm-hmm. so directly. Uh, that place sucks, but it's also full of cool stuff. And the oils are useful if you're brave enough to go there. Now let's imagine talk a- that's where your favorite fruit that you've ever had in your life is from, but you know you're never going to be able to eat it again. Dude, it's like that now, basically. I know, except but- we're so spoiled and blessed, we just get all the fruit raw exactly. from all the rare places easily. Well, and we can stockpile Baja Blast Energy, and it's not that big of a deal because it's in a cutie can. Right. But these are just right. little plucked from the tree. I know that's what's you're so like. Crazy I need about to make it. these little, last. Little furry on the outside, right. and pink like gold on the inside. You're like, what is that? <laughs> Someone's like, I can make a pie out of this, uh-huh. but there's only like five trees that we know about in the whole world. So maybe so, we shouldn't waste yeah, that Yeah, maybe many. we shouldn't make a whole pie out right. of it. All right, maybe we'll make like a, a sucker out of it, you know, like something very, <laughs> yeah. sp- I don't know, man. That is what's so crazy about the like existence, you know, like the way the physical world has metabolized its or metastasized itself. It's like 
we have little trees that have these little treats and it's like yes some of the good ones are really hard to find yeah and like the really tasty animals they're on top of the mountain and they're the best at hiding like you're never going to catch them like they're really good at hiding unless you're an eagle but you're also stupid if you're an eagle so there's a trade-off but you get to fly (laughs) so there's all these trade-offs but targaryen's dragons so they do get to fly the dragons did that the dragons did all of that that's what you guys don't know about this story um let us try the adult with the clever wife and hope that my little small folk did not beat his head in with a stone. That was uh, J. Harris. That was pretty funny. That's a secondary own. Um, you're wasting Arbor Gold, Vagon, killing it. Amazing. Um, what else? That's pretty much it. Those are my owns. Now we get to your Owns, oh, not you, Zach. Your can we the do listener. mine over again? We I'll should. do that whole bit. You probably about could the have ship. some more <laughs> that we could find for you. We've got a bunch of different owns from folks, and we'll go to Twitter. And we will read them now. We need some fanfare. At Shane Lisa on Twitter says, Own. He looked about at the long white cloaks and shining scale and said, Which one of these old men do you mean for me to fight? This old man announced Jaharis Targaryen, the one whose daughter used to do Sabaz despised shane's next own but it is laid or but it is said that it's so funny that we read owns like at the end when my brain has completely yeah. <laughs> melted away it's, fun for me. it's so hot here i'm like i can't read shane's next own is but it is said that when he saw his mother again he fell into her arms and wept i slew a thousand of them he said but it will not bring him back and the queen stroked his hair and said i know i know what are you patch face all right <laughs> next own thanks shane um, straight Savage Cole on Twitter. My for this chapter goes to Balerion the Black Dread's remembrance as he finally passed in this chapter. Even though this chapter was very long in caps, I found it hard to give an own or multiple owns as I usually do. Everything just seemed run of the mill and didn't quite stand hmm, uh, to me as much. <laughs> I understand it. I mean, it's it's long. It could start to like turn you yeah. at a certain moment. <laughs> like this episode doing to my brain. Yeah. No, I'm just saying. Trying to read is anyway. Keep going. <laughs> I thought about giving it to King Jaharis, calling the Vulture King a gopher, sort of more the lusty, the marish bloodbath from one of the children of Jaharis and Isan. But I didn't feel it. That is one downfall of a book written in this style. Yeah, is that there is so it's so easy to write it off or something. to write it off. Yeah. You know, unless you got something to prove. Well, unless you're like <laughs> seem to have to rec- like have something interesting to say to you about it. You know, it's easy to slide past a lot of these things that, you know, might not be that actually interesting. It's like, why are you doing that at that point? And that's that's just useful for folks that there's a TV series coming out now, but you don't get the whole context. Exactly. So it's hard. It's like Game of Thrones enough to have read A Song of I Fire and you don't want to get to fun, but that's totally fine. But there is a lot of treasure in here if you, Mm -hmm. that's the thing about it. So, um, Yeah. Um, at Ghost Chantilla, sexual, sexual Jazz has the opposite to say. So they say, I have a ton of owns for this one. Sorry. One, owned to the gouging kitchen, kitten That's merchant. That's gouging? Oh, sorry. Guys, I swear, yeah, one. <laughs> princess got gouged. One, Listen, at least one prince got gouged. <laughs> it's so hot in the room we're recording in. One, owned to the price gouging kitten merchants. Two, owned to Florence Fossaway for her superior apple counting. Three, owned to Jaharis for the Darnish War and the for you have my lead my lord and more than that you have my sword then he mercs Boris Baratheon in a single combat himself to keep Rogar from kinslaying and for own to Rogar Baratheon for being 
so old and sick and failing. He was too tough to kill in a fight. Number four in the Rogar Baratheon for being so badass that an old, sick, and failing, he was tough to kill in a fight. Other own from Shane Lisa. My own goes to the war. The Hundred Candles. Did we even talk about that? No, it got lost in the mix. <laughs> There's so many wars. Yeah, I have notes on it. There's yeah, the Hundred Candles. Even Aegon the Conqueror had never won a war without losing a man. Oh, it's okay, we alluded to it crazy noobs of Dorne that yeah. was like, I'm gonna kill. Oh yeah, destroy more towns than towns exist. And in this no one's area. gonna know about this at all. And they're like, math doesn't matter. We just want something to happen. And then Jaharis says they knew about it for six months before he showed up. <laughs> that was such a good moment. Thanks like, for reminding me. I have me. a friend in the room who yeah. announced it. And then last but not least, we have Eliza Bennett on Twitter who says, My own goes to Alice because she was a rock star and a survivor and will forever be my good queen. Well, Jaharis, for all the other things, he gets, is still the old king. He doesn't get to have a lot of next, but she just is straight up like, uh-huh. this is what I am. Exactly. Yeah. And those are your owns. If you have owns for the chapter or any of our chapters we read, you can send them to us in a couple different ways. You can find us on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook by searching for Game of Owns, or you can send us an email to contact at gameofowns.com. We have one more chapter before Hot D starts. We're setting up. We're, I, I don't even need to say it. Setting it up. In the chapter, Heirs of the Dragon, a question of succession. And then we're going into Hot D. This is the chapter. This is the chapter. And we're going to talk about this chapter. We're going to talk about all the stuff we've seen in a couple of weeks. And then we're going to go right into it. Prepare ourselves in conversation form for a new GOT series. We haven't had one since 2019. So, Holy crap, a new show, new showrunners. George R. R. Martin fucking loves it. What? I All the reviews that are coming in are great. So, it's insane to see. We've been hoping that it was like this. We're gonna- follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram because we are planning to just have a really good time with House of the Dragon. So make sure you're following us on there so you can kind of see what we have planned. But everybody, it's time to get hot. We're going to have fun with this, no matter how yeah. it pans out. So I'm looking forward to the journey. That's the next chapter. Send us owns for it if you want. Or uh, don't uh, get your bodies to send us owns and interact with all of our stuff on social media on or around uh, Sunday night coming up. And uh, we'll be there. So we'll see you on the next episode. And then. Bye-bye. Can't wait. <laughs>